we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. We must lay the foundation not on sands, but on the responsibility of our daily life, and try to bring about a tremendous revolution in that life. Hello and welcome to episode 176 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is responsibility. Upcoming themes are teaching, wholeness and nationalism. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers individual and group retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on insight has three sections. This first extract is from the second question and answer meeting in Ojai, 1985, titled, What is our responsibility to ourselves and others? What is responsibility to ourselves and to others. Let's look at the question. Responsibility, what do you mean responsibility? The word responsibility, which means Respond. It comes from that word, respond. Respond means it's retrospective. Right? Look at it carefully. I don't know, I'm just, we are just investigating the word. I have a responsibility towards my wife. That's what we say. We are looking at the word responsibility. I I respond to her in a certain way, which I don't respond to others in the same way. 
right? I respond according to my background of what I have learnt about her. And she responds what she has learnt about me. If that response, which is retrospecting, that is, looking back, she is my wife, I have learnt about her, uh, that learning is memory. So the, re- <coughs> the word responsibility implies memory, recognition. The recognition is part of memory for all that. So responsibility towards her and the responsibility in our relation sexually and so on, sensation produces the baby, and we are res- together we are responsible for the baby. We are responsible for its education. Superficial education, right? School, college, university, for money, or halfway. And so, up to a certain age, we are responsible for her, for them. Afterwards, they can go. And in old age, they throw me out, send me to Florida or some place. <laughs> or old age homes, you know, what's happening in this country. The tragedy of it all, you don't see it. And in India, there is no social security. I was told yesterday, the most populated country in the world, India is. It is the size, one third the size of America, of this country. And population is growing every year at the rate of 15 million a year. It's over 800 million people there. There, as there is no social security, they must have children, especially men, boys. Because when they grow old, as we all do, the sun will look after them. That's the idea of having three or four children, not just one child. You understand? Please understand the tragedy of all this. And as the boy grows older, gets a job, this has been one of their burdens to look after their parents, educate their brother, sister. You understand, sir? When they can't, I know several I have known several boys and girls who have committed suicide. Because they can't manage it anymore. They feel so responsible for their parents. So the word responsibility is very complex. You understand? And are we responsible to ourselves? That's the question. What is the 
what is responsible to ourselves and to others. Are we responsible to ourselves? What does that mean? Who is ourselves? You understand, sir? Who is ourselves? Who is we? Who is I? Am I responsible to myself? Which means, you understand the division? I wonder if you see that. There is a person who is responsible to myself. As I am responsible to my wife, there is somebody inside me or outside me who is responsible to me. Sounds rather silly, doesn't it? Or is there such a person who is responsible? God? Brezhnev? The glorified Father, you follow? Who is? You see how our brain works. When we say, "Am I responsible?" Is responsibility to myself, which means I have divided myself into some entity who is responsible to me. Therefore, I am responsible to that entity which I have separated carefully, which is myself. I don't know if you've gone that is. The thinker is the thought. Without thought there is no thinker. Right? But we have divided the thinker and the thought. I must control that thought. That's a bad thought. And I must think rightly. Which means I am different from thought. So the thinker is the thought. There is no separation. The observer, psychologically, is the observed. There is no experience without the experiencer. I could go on, right? The experiencer is the experience. So, then what is the responsibility, what is responsibility to others? Right? What is my responsibility to you? And what is your responsibility to me? Here is an audience, what's your responsibility to me? And what am I responsible to you? So look at it. I'm just looking at you for the first time. And all this comes out because, because I'm, I really want to go into this question of responsibility. I want to see, am I responsible to you? And you are responsible to me. And if I say I am not responsible to you, then I am isolating myself. 
right? And if you say to me, you're not, we are not responsible to you, then you put me aside. I wonder if you see this. Responsibility implies division, basically. Right? You are, I am responsible to her, and she is responsible to me. I am responsible to you, and you are responsible to me. That means I have separated myself from my wife, and I have separated myself from you, and you have separated from me. And so we have called, I don't understand you, and we don't understand you. We said the same thing. Which is, I am the Arab, you are the Israeli. Or if you don't like the Israelis, I am the Israeli, you are the Arabs. I am the Muslim and you are the Hindu. If you don't like it, I am the Muslim and you are the Hindu. So we battle each other. It's my country, I'm going to protect it. It's your country, protect it. And we're going to war it for each other. It's your ideology, and I'm going to be responsible to that ideology, and you're going to be responsible to the other ideology. Right? This is what's happening in the world, calling it responsibility. Especially the elite. You understand? The elite call it, we are responsible for the people. Having reached that elitism, the high, and then we are responsible. It's all such rot to me, to me personally. Because we are one human being. We are, you go through all kinds of travail, so does the other human being, psychologically. They have shed tears in India, and you have shed, they have shed tears in Europe, and you have shed tears here. Right? Tears are common to all of us, like laughter. You have destroyed the whole the Red Indian culture here, wipe them out. That's your holocaust. Just face it. And this has been going on from the beginning of time. And Responsibility implies duty. Duty, I must do this. Duty to my country. Duty to my ideal. Sir, look at all this. So, is it possible to live without division? 
Is it possible to live with my wife, if I have a wife, without any sense of division between her and me? Not common ambition. You understand? It's common ambition, then it's again a division. If it is each one of us is fulfilling ourselves, again a division. I don't I wonder if you see all this. So is it possible to live without any nationality? The speaker has both a diplomatic and Indian passport. Government of India gave me that. I don't know why, but they gave it to me. And it's a bore having a certain form of paper crossing the countries. And that doesn't make me make one an Indian. Paper. Do you understand? So is it possible to live without a single nationality? Without being identified with any country? Because our earth, not your earth and my earth. Is it possible to live without any identification, without any religion? Think it out, sirs. Don't just agree or disagree. Or identified with any group, any organization, any institution. Which doesn't mean you're withdrawing from the world, isolating yourself on the contrary. Because then you are the entire humanity, not just the idea of it, but the feeling of it, the religious, the religious feeling of it, that you are the entire humanity. I am my brother's keeper. The second extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Santa Monica, 1974, titled Freedom and Responsibility Go Together. Is it possible in a world that is, you know it better than I do, what the world is, can you live in, that, in this world? without a single image about yourself. And to find that out, you have to learn. Learn how to live surrounded by images created by, perhaps by you and by others, how to live a life in which there is no single conclusion 
in relationship to learn about it, not whether it's possible or not possible. And where there is learning, freedom comes into being. And in that freedom, responsibility. Now, that word responsibility is rather an old-fashioned word. And probably most of you don't like that word, responsibility. It sounds square, isn't that the word? Yes, that's the word. <laughs> what, is, what is it to be responsible? To be the word means to respond, to respond rightly at the given moment. You cannot respond adequately if you have an idea or an ideology in responsibility. That is, you are responsible if you have children, for those children. Are you responsible to the, to the child or to a pattern of a way of life which you have accepted as being social, necessary, religious, and so on? Are you responsible to the child or responsible to a, an ideology, a pattern? Please investigate this as we are talking. You're really in the present world, at the, as we are, one is living, you're not responsible for children at all. Responsibility means care, affection, attention, not only when they are very young, but what kind of education they have. What kind of life they are going to have? What, how, what kind of life they are going to meet? And so on. So you are, when we use the word responsible, you are responsible for their education. Is education merely. Now, wait a minute. What does it mean to be educated? Why are you being educated? You all of you, I'm sure, been to some kind of school, college, and university, 
and you are being educated. What for? To lead the kind of life that you are leading now? To conform to the pattern of society which your past generations and generations have set? To imitate, to, con- to follow, to accept wars, to be killed and to kill? Is that what you are being educated for? The estab- big establishment, politi- big politics, big business religion and all the rest of that bi- thing that are going on in the world, is that what you are being educated for? And yet, you say you are responsible for the children. So I question very much whether you are at all responsible or you are only responsible to yourself and to your desires, to your selfish aims. Please do go into this, investigate it, inquire into it. Because as we are love living, life has no meaning. This endless work for fifty years and then collapse, this struggle for money, position which is being encouraged by commercialism and consumerism, with all the things involved in it. And we are educating the children for that. So, are we responsible? Apparently we are not. And yet, we want at all, if you are at all serious, we want to bring about a change in society. Because the society is corrupt. And the society is built by us, so that corruption is in us. Unless that corruption ends in us, we cannot possibly create a different society. And Freedom means responsibility, right to the end of our life. Not only for our children, but what we do, what we think, we are responsible. And that's why it becomes, life becomes very, very, very serious. And one is frightened to be so serious because we are trained to pursue pleasure. To us, pleasure has become an extraordinarily important thing. Pleasure 
is one thing, joy is another, and enjoyment is something else. You can cultivate pleasure. All the commercials you have on the TV is the cultivation of pleasure. And if you observe yourself, you will see how very deeply you are pursuing unspoken words of words and actions and feelings of pleasure. And what is the relationship of pleasure to joy? Is there any relationship? Or they are totally divorced from each other. You can invite, cultivate, pursue pleasure. You cannot possibly cultivate, pursue joy. When, you, when joy occurs, and it occurs always without any invitation, and when you pursue that joy, which has gone, then that joy becomes pleasure. And then you pursue that. And when pleasure is not completely fulfilled, there is anger, there is bitterness, there is frustration and fear. Haven't you noticed all these things in yourselves? If you have, is it not possible to wipe out all this? You know, religions throughout the world have denied pleasure. Because they have said, you cannot come to God through pleasure. You must control your desires and devote your life to Jesus or to Krishna or to Buddha, whatever that may mean. So don't look at a woman don't look at nature, don't look at the beauty of a mountain that might remind you of the beauty of a woman, don't look at the flying bird, because you need all your attention to serve God. And these poor fellows who have pursued this are living torture. And they think they come, can come to God through a tortured mind. They not only torture their body, but they torture their mind. And unfortunately, truth wants a sane mind, a clear mind, 
a mind that has never been heard, which means a mind that is totally innocent. The word innocence means a, a thing that has never been heard. Not what the Christians have made of that word. So, freedom, order in relationship and responsibility go together. And if this is not fully, deeply lived and understood and acted, then you will find that one's life becomes not only meaningless, so utterly superficial, so utterly verbal, intellectually vast field of conclusions without a single flower blooming in goodness and without establishing this meditation or the perception of that which is true can never come to be The third and final extract in this episode is from the first talk in Bombay, 1965, titled It is your responsibility to bring about a tremendous change in the world. As an individual, it's your responsibility to bring about a tremendous change in the world. It's your responsibility because you are part of this society. Because you are part of this tremendous sorrow of man. <coughs> this constant effort, struggle, pain, anxiety. We are all responsible. unless we realize that immense responsibility and come directly in contact with that responsibility and listen to the whole structure, the machinery of that responsibility. Do what you will. Go to every temple, to every guru, to every master, to every religious book in the world. Your action has no meaning whatsoever. Those are mere escapes from actuality. So we have to understand this existence, this life, our relationship to society. And 
not only understand our relationship with each other, with each society, but to bring about a radical change in that relationship. And that is our responsibility. I do not think we feel this urgently. We look to the politician, we look to some philosopher, we look to something mysterious that will <coughs> bring about an alteration within ourselves. There is no way out except that you become aware of this immense responsibility as a human being. And becoming aware of that responsibility, learn all about it. Not bring all your previous knowledge, but learn. And to learn, there must be freedom. You can't learn otherwise. Otherwise, you will repeat the same thing over and over and over again. I do not know if you have not noticed that there is so much confusion, misery and sorrow in the world. And man hasn't been able to find a way out of it. Modern-day man, so he resorts to the past. He thinks he must go back to 5,000, 7,000 years and resuscitate that past. To renew, bring about a revival. And again, there is no answer that way. There is no answer through science. Science can make life more happy, more comfortable. But comfort and pleasure are not the absolute answer to life, nor does the answer lie through mere reform, nor is there a way out through any temple, through any sacred book. I think one has to realize the seriousness of all this. and put away all that rubbish and nonsense and come face to face with facts, which is our life, our everyday brutal, anxious, insecure, cruel life, with its pleasures, with its amusements, and to See if we can bring about, as a human being who has lived for two million years, to see if we can bring about a radical transformation within himself and therefore within the structure of society. To under <coughs> To be aware of this responsibility 
means great arduous work. We have to work. Not only within ourselves, but we have to work in our relationship with others. I mean by work, not practice some silly formula, some absurd theory, some fantastic assertions of some philosopher or of some guru or teacher. Those are all too infantile, immature. When we talk about work, I mean by that becoming aware of the responsibility as a human being, living in this world, he has to work to bring about a change within himself. And if he really changes, if he brings about a mutation within himself, then he will transform society. Society is not transformed through any revolution, economic or social. We have seen this, the French Revolution, the Russian Revolution, and the everlasting hope of man by that by altering outward things, the inward nature of man is going to be transformed. It never has been and it never will be. The outward change, the economic change, which is bound to come to this country which is so poor, that is not going to change the attitude, the ways of life, his misery, his confusion. So, to bring about a total change of man, man has to become aware of himself. That is, he has to learn about himself anew. Man, according to the recent discoveries of anthropology, has lived for two million years. And man has not found a way out of his misery. He has escaped from it. He has run away from in some fanciful illusion. But he has not solved it. He hasn't built a society that's totally free. Built a society which is not a society of conformity. You know, if you observe 
there are those societies which through necessity cooperate through necessity through compulsion through industrial revolution they must live together they must cooperate they must conform they must follow the pattern and in that society as you as you as one can observe there's still conflicts each man is still against the other because he's ambitious he's competitive he may talk about love of the neighbor him by force he must cooperate but through that cooperation through that assertion of loving that neighbor he is competitive ruthless ambitious therefore such a pattern of society brings about its own destruction then there is this form of society where there is no civic consciousness at all each man is out for himself as you observe in this country each man is concerned with his family with his group with his class with his uh, particular part of the country with his linguistic divisions and he has no civic consciousness he is not at all conscious of what is happening to the neighbor as a he doesn't care is totally indifferent what is happening but yet if you observe his religious books have told him that perhaps you will live next life therefore behave there is karma what you do now will matter how you talk how you say things doesn't matter to whom the behavior is behavior is righteousness if you don't behave now you'll pay for it next life that's the crude form of it that I, on that you have been brought up for centuries and yet such belief such ideas have no importance in your life because you don't believe because you still carry on as though this is the only life that matters because you are competitive you are ambitious you destroy your neighbor so you are not at all civic civic minded socially so there this too the the society the human being that lives in the society in which he is made to conform is made to cooperate out of necessity and thus he becomes civic minded 
doesn't throw things out on the road. He's punished. There is order. But within that order, within that framework, each man is against the other. Here there is no framework. Here you are not civic. You have no civic consciousness at all. Because you are you don't believe one bit in what you think you have been told. So you have these two forms of society. And each of these societies inherently within itself has the seed of its own destruction. So a religious man is concerned with creating a new society which is neither this nor that, but something entirely different, which is each human being behaves righteously at every minute. Because he understands his responsibility as a human being, and he is alone responsible and no other. How he behaves, what his activities are, whether he is ambitious, cruel, destructive, hating, jealous, competitive. What his fears are, it's only such a mind that can bring about a new society. And we do need a new society. And that society is not going to be created by anybody except by you. And I don't think we feel the immense responsibility of this. And that's the first thing that matters. Because that is the foundation, which is righteous behavior, right conduct. Not the conduct of a pattern, the conduct which comes about through learning. If you are all the time learning, that very learning brings its own righteous action. Therefore it is the only, the religious mind alone, that can <coughs> create this new society. And <coughs> as we said, we must learn about ourselves. Not what we have been told about ourselves, 
not what this your sacred books have told about yourself, because they are irrelevant. They have no meaning. You have to learn anew about yourself. Therefore, we have to learn <coughs> how to observe ourselves. As you observe the tree, so we have to observe ourselves. As you observe the tree without distortion, so with. <coughs> So we have to observe ourselves with distortion, and that is the greatest difficulty, because we do not observe the fact, but rather know what gives us pleasure or pain, and therefore avoid the fact. You know. If I want to know about myself, to learn about myself, I have to watch every movement of my mind, every feeling I have. Not say they should not exist or must exist. Deny them or try to modify them, but just to observe. What I am, and that that demands certain discipline. Because to observe the fact is in itself the discipline. Please do look at it. Look at a flower and see how difficult it is to look at it without naming it, without bringing all your reactions upon it, without saying of like or dislike, but just to observe. Then you will see how extraordinarily difficult it is to look something which is totally outside, objective. And then when you turn inward, it's much more difficult because you have opinions about yourself, what you should be or not, you should not be. What you are, that you are the higher self, the Atman, the God. God knows what else you have. All fantastic ideas and memories about yourself, and it is these memories, these fancies, these illusions, these experiences, these acquired knowledge that prevents you from looking at yourself. And to be aware of these knowledge of the various forms of knowledge, and not allow them to interfere. 
with your observation of yourself brings about a discipline in itself you know to go very far we have to begin very near we must begin here not beyond existence we must begin with the earth with us with human beings with ourselves and not try to find what is the transcendental beauty of life to find the transcendental transcendental beauty of life we must begin with life itself it's only through the daily existence and the understanding of the beauty of that life in our daily way it is only through that door that we can find that which is not measurable that is our minds seek always something not transient something called god something called truth and we because we are so desperate we are so anxious we are so surrounded by fear that always make every effort to find something which we call truth which we call god but to find that we must lay the right foundation and the right foundation is right action in our behavior so we must lay the foundation not on sense but on the responsibility of our daily life and try to bring about a tremendous revolution in that life you know for most of us change implies a bargaining process i would like to change and so i begin to bargain with myself whether it's profitable or not whether it's worthwhile or not so change implies a bargain you think about it and you see how extraordinarily our mind works with regard to change we change if it is if it is profitable if it is pleasurable or we change when it is painful but there is no change but any change with bargaining is no change at all so a mind that wishes to find the reality 
must begin with itself. And there is something that is not measurable by the mind or by the instruments invented by man. <coughs> there is a truth, there is a benediction, but we must come upon it not through prayers, not through hope, but becoming totally responsible for every action, for every action, every day and every minute of the day. <coughs> then out of that responsibility comes the flower of understanding. And that understanding is the way of life, and it is only the discovery for each one, the way of living. It's only that way that can bring about reality, clarity, great depth of the mind. 